Hey cousins, this is Tiff. Today's topic is a little mature for our younger audience. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Welcome to episode 23. Yay! Hello! Hello! Welcome. How's your week been? It was long. (laughs) (laughs) I had a short week, but it was long. I, you know, because we're going to Houston tomorrow. Yeah. To see my brother, since we didn't get to see him at Christmas. Because you had the Rona. I did. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it, but it was a, a long road to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that'd be fun. Yeah. I'll have fun. Sure will. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. It'll be a short trip, but get to see him. How's the weather going to be down there? Uh, I think, I, I don't know, like temperature wise, but mm-hmm. he did say it was going to be rainy oh, on rats. Saturday. All oh, right. And I, I think my mom told me they had some tornadoes recently. They down did. There. Yes, I so. actually texted your brother on Tuesday because my phone had an alert that there was a tornado warning in Houston. Oh. And so I texted him. I was like, "Hey, how is everybody? You know, is everybody okay?" Right. And he's like, "Yeah, we just got like a lot of rain, and some areas around the town, ta- around Houston, had uh-huh. gotten tornado." And I was like, "Ah," oh. he's like, "You guys doing good?" And I was like, "Yeah, we're just bracing for you know some snow." And he was like, "What?" And I was like, I know, right? <laughs> well, I feel like a terrible sister now because, like, I didn't have any clue that there was tornadoes <laughs> well, going on I until today. <laughs> had gotten the weather alert on my phone. You know, we didn't really end up getting our no snow donut hole. <laughs> yeah, I saw that meme on Facebook, and I was like, "That's so true." It's like you get some snow, and you get some snow, yeah. and you get, some, but you don't. You don't. And that yeah. was all of Tulsa County. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like. It's not even getting below freezing. I know. And then you see these, you know, down I-40 over there by, like, I don't know if it was McAllister. Yeah. It was somewhere over there. And it was like, oh, like eight inches of snow. And it looks like some winter wonderland. And here it's like green and rain. Exactly. Exactly. I had friends who live in Edmond had a snow day on Tuesday. And so they had all these pictures posted. And then I had talked to my dad on Tuesday who lives south of Norman. And he was like, oh, the snow. He's like, what do you guys, how much do you have? And I go, we got rain. (laughs) And he was like, what? He could not believe it. And it is funny when you think about uh, town south of uh-huh. us because we live, you know, in the northeast. Right. We live in we the north. Get more snow in typically. northern Oklahoma, literally an hour away from the Kansas border, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we got rain. Nothing rain. rain. I mean, there's a, a dusting. Oh, no, there wasn't even a dusting. Oh, at my yeah, house we got because you know I live out more towards. Um, Katusa and Nyola and (laughs) yeah we had a dusting here in um, the North Tulsa County you know you couldn't go and make a snowball out of it yeah so you couldn't even it was just rain we were hoping for a virtual day at school 
because uh, those are always just fun, you know, because a little bit more relaxed. And yeah. we still do, like, my poor kids were going to take a science test. <laughs> <laughs> One way or the other, they were taking a science test. You know, you just get to do it. And it's always fun because I let them, like, give them 10 or 20 minutes so we can see everybody's pet. Uh-huh. And we can say hi to everybody's sibling or mom uh-huh. or whatever. Or we can, depending on what time it is, you know, we can talk about what did we eat for lunch? Yeah. What did we eat for breakfast? You know. Yeah. It's so, a little more fun. Right. And if it's snow, being the science teacher, I have a little bit of freedom with them mm-hmm. to go outside. Like reasoning is like, oh, well, this would be a great time for us to review um, chemical reactions yeah. and uh, freezing points of yeah. water. So, but yeah, we got we got robbed. We got yeah. robbed. I, yeah, I felt a little gypped myself. Yeah, but. yeah. But uh, there's supposed to be some coming in. Oh, is there this weekend or this week? It's coming week, I guess. Uh, so be yeah. Prepared. Well, here's what I gotta say oh, to that. Oops. I'll believe it when I see it. I yeah, me too. I don't want to be the donut hole. <laughs> I did tell my kids, my students, that if they ever wanted a job where they would not get fired, if they were ever wrong, Uh they could become a meteorologist. That's right. Right. And we give meteorologists such a hard time, but... Well, and I guess... I do love them. I guess in this instance, they weren't really wrong. They were just wrong about Tulsa. (laughs) Right. Well, and I guess they did say, you know, it just depends on how long the rain sticks around. And it did. We just stuck around. We just got stuck in this pocket. Yeah. And and it never cooled off enough. No. It just stayed, I mean, 38 degrees, I think, most of the day. Yeah. Yeah, so, and so... It was so disappointing. It was. It was disappointing. And I say that, and knowing that the next time it does snow, we'll probably get slammed with it. Well, you know, that just means I won't have to go to work, so... <laughs> <laughs> I will still have to work, No, knowing me, they so probably bad. tell us, uh, get in anyway, so right. we've got That's things crazy. to do. <laughs> Parts to ship. Well, other than that, uh, we got someone in our family who's got herself a birthday coming yes. up. Yes. My mama has a birthday on Saturday. Aunt Jackie. Hi, Mom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Aunt Jackie. I love you. Love you, too. So, we're and it's kind of fun because we're going down um, to Houston on her birthday weekend. So, yeah. that'll be fun. That'll Ask be me fun. what I got her. Oh, she already knows. Oh, okay. Well, oh, knows. and I guess this comes out a week later, anyways. So, yeah. would yeah. you get it, her? It won't be a surprise. <laughs> um, she's super hard to buy for, so it's I like think all moms just tell are. me what you want. I, my mom is too. We, I got her a silver dollar city diamond season pass. Ooh, diamond? Yeah. What is that? Oh, you know, you just get an extra percentage off on oh. different things, like things we'll probably never go so, to and you know you get those like bring a friend tickets i'm a friend stuff like that so and i know you that your family mm-hmm. goes to branson yeah because we summer. have a condo up there yeah so you want some company uh we'll definitely there. okay yeah that would be fun That'll well be fun. i thought it'd be fun and you know it's not too far away where we couldn't just go for a weekend or something yeah like that. yeah and and I really want to go during when they have Christmas because I've never been oh, that during would their be... Christmas time. Me and my I've mother-in-law really talked cool. about – because we usually go in the summer. Mm-hmm. I We talked about maybe switching it one year and trying mm-hmm. to go over Christmas. 
Uh, I just think I wonder if we need to wait till my boys are a little bit older because the thought of them going to an amusement park and not getting to ride any rides. Yeah, because they they don't run at Christmas. No, they don't. So So. I think they would. um, But you should think about their little fall festival. I heard that's really cool. And the rides are still running, I think, at that point. Yeah, I think we um, are going to have to go on a cruise, another cruise this year. Oh. Because... Um, I don't, most of you know, Jess and I went on a cruise a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess, really. Mm -hmm. Um, and apparently we did not convey to one of my children (laughs) that we were going on a ship, that that's what that meant. And he was extremely angry (laughs) when his parents returned and all they have done almost weekly since then is ask if they can go on a cruise so mm. i think we're gonna try to go on another one yeah and i don't know when our time frame is gonna be but yeah. i'll definitely uh, let you know yeah let me know because i'm gonna have to save up my vacation because my little brother and his family the one in houston they're moving to the netherlands this year so yeah um, I'm oh, sad but excited for that them. That is very excited. I mean, uh, I'm kind of excited for us because uh, we could travel there. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I told you. Maybe I did. I don't remember. But he, he told me he was like the the place where they think they're going to be living is only like 30 minute train ride from Amsterdam. And we could go see Anne Frank's house oh. or not her house, but, you know, like where she hid. hid which yeah. I've always wanted to go yes. and visit. I thought that would be a cool place to go, mm-hmm. and seems like an opportune time. I mean, when in Rome. Hey, I visited <laughs> Australia. In the Netherlands. <laughs> I was in Australia for nine days when my best friend lived there, and that's the time to go when you know somebody, so you don't have to pay for board. Yep. So anyway, we got to keep that in our little back pocket. That's true. That's true. So. And if you need an aunt to go with your kids, I mean, I'm totally there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so any other business? I don't think so. Well, this is a, what do we call it? Tiftastic? Or t- <laughs> which one is it? Tiftastic. Yeah, this is a Tiftastic episode. Jessarific. Oh, yeah. That's and Tiftastic. Right. Yeah. So. See, it's it's not fair because I think mine could go with anyway because of the t- yeah. And terrific and fantastic. Yeah. Okay, we don't need yeah. to debate anyway. this right now on on air. Nobody cares. But well, tell anyway. me. I'm excited to hear what we're covering. Yes. Um, I am covering the Thrasher family murders out of Woodward. Okay. Sounds familiar. Yes. Which is the, I think when Ashley came and yes. did our guest thing, she yeah. was telling us about it, right? Yes, exactly. And um, so I had looked into it, and I don't know. I have not found a lot of information on them or other Mm -hmm. podcasts Mm -hmm. that have covered it. And with the convicted murderer behind bars and in prison and coming up for paroles periodically, I think it's this is just an opportunity for us to get their story back out there, to Mm -hmm. get these victims' names back in our minds so that if another parole date was to come up, the public is aware the crimes he's been released. convicted of committing. Well, so, and I, I've never even heard of it until mm-hmm. she mentioned it. Like, yeah. I hadn't heard of them. I hadn't either. I really before. hadn't either. And it does take place in the 70s, so that, of course, is right. way before our time. But it is. Oh, and I did want to kind of do a trigger warning. Okay. I have it later in my notes again. But this does concern um, 
death, mm-hmm. a pretty violent death mm-hmm. um, of not only adults, but also of children. Oh, so no. if that's just not your jam and this isn't the episode for you, we'll see you next week. No big yeah. deal. Um, but of course, I will. If you want to listen, I'll warn you when that part is coming up so you can skip ahead a couple of minutes or okay. so. So I'm going to start with my sources. I did go to law.justia.com and I got to read pretty much all of the court docket statements for Collins versus the state of Oklahoma. I also used, oh, innumerable newspapers like the Daily Oklahoman, the Tulsa World, Sepulpa, Daily Herald, the Texoma Times, um, just several of them. I couldn't no, it list. sounds like a lot. Yeah, I couldn't list them all. Mm-hmm. I literally just combed through mm-hmm. and just read article after article. Well, and for those of you who don't know, we subscribe to, was it newspaper? Newspapers.com. Dot com. Uh, yes. Fantastic. Yes. You can find a lot of stuff. Really, so. and you can get stuck going down rabbit holes. Which Tip does all the time. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I also used the Oklahoma Department of Corrections Oklahoma Offender site mm-hmm. and the Oklahoma Court Docket Search. Wow. Okay. So I wanted, I was interested to see parole dates mm-hmm. and things of this. This is also going to be a two-parter because I just feel like the trial part deserves its mm-hmm. own big, and instead of being here yeah. for an hour and a half or two hours, I'll just make this one kind of short and then the next Absolutely. one will be a little bit longer. So, so let's, she's going to leave us hanging is what I'm hearing. Oh, I don't hear that at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's probably the funniest, last funny thing I'm going to say. Okay. At 10.30 p.m. Tuesday, September 3rd, 1974, Bob Patty went to the home of Mr. and Mrs. Mervyn Thrasher. Patty was concerned about Mervyn when he failed to answer telephone calls or show up at work. Mm-hmm. He was Mervyn's boss, actually. Oh, okay. I was going to ask. When Patty arrived at the home, no one answered the door when he knocked. Both cars were at home, so that was kind of unusual. Mm -hmm. Patty went and got a flashlight out Mm -hmm. of his car, and he started looking through the windows, and what he saw probably scarred him for life. If it were me, it probably would have scarred me. He saw the lifeless body of Mrs. Sandra Thrasher on the floor. Oh, no. Patty, immediately, he went to the police. Obviously, it was before cell phones. So in my mind, I think he physically went to the police department. I can't even imagine that that trip. Right. Uh, When police showed up, they found not only the body of Mrs. Thrasher, but also Mr. Mervyn Thrasher Mm -hmm. and the couple's two children, Penny and Robert. Oh, no. Are you going to tell us how old they are? Later. Okay. All four victims had been shot in the head some multiple times. No. The biggest question, obviously, is who did this? Why this family was fairly new to the community of Woodward? They had only lived there roughly six months or so. Oh, my gosh. From what their pastor said and other friends that they had developed while being there, they were were well-liked by everyone, and they were real involved. Uh Uh-huh. Mervyn and Sandra had both come from a small town, so they kind of knew what life was like and what to expect. Mm -hmm. And so they really just kind of ingrained themselves and became active in the community and in their church. No one could think of anyone or any rumors or any enemies that either of them had. Their marriage was strong. And to say the investigators were stumped and the community was rocked would definitely be an understatement. So it it wasn't one of those things where... Like everything looks great on the outside, but on, but in reality, it's a mess. Well, or is that like something you're getting into later? We'll get into that, but 
honestly, I think the picture they presented was what it was. Was what it actually was. Okay. So we're going to start at the beginning. Okay. Mervyn Dwight Thrasher was born October 2nd, 1946 in Liberal, Kansas to Mervyn and Eula Thrasher. He, his family moved to Texoma, Oklahoma very early on in his life. And so he actually lived most of his life there in Texoma. Okay. He appears to have had a very normal upbringing. We didn't. I couldn't find anything saying otherwise, uh-huh. even looking through newspapers for his yeah. name. Like, I couldn't find anything. Discretions mis- he might yeah, have. Yeah, misdeeds he might yeah. have done. Uh, Mervin graduated from Texoma High in 1964. Then he went and attended Panhandle State University for one year. Uh, I guess he probably decided that college wasn't the life for him. And it's, it's not, not the life for everybody. For, you're right. You're right. Because after that one year, he actually enlisted in the Navy where he stayed for four years. Okay. He, in the beginning, was stationed in Washington, but, you know, like most military services, he moved around a lot. During this period of time, Mervyn and Sandra do get married back in Texoma while Mervyn was on leave. It's not really specified when the couple met or got together. Uh, They could have been high school sweethearts, for all that I know. I was going to ask if you knew. Yeah. Or they could have, you know, they could have just been friends. They were from Uh a small town. They probably knew each other. They graduated a few years apart. Um, So they could have just reconnected one day. Right. Okay. So I'm just assuming that they knew each other from school Mm -hmm. because Texoma wasn't a very big town. Right. Sandra Levine Brown was born August 17th, 1947 in Eugene, Oregon, to Mr. and Mrs. Marvin D. Brown. She was one half of a set of twin girls. Oh. Her family moved to Higgins, Texas in 1961, then moved again to Texoma in 1964. Texoma is actually in Oklahoma. And the kooky fact, the town of Texoma is in the northwestern part of the panhandle. (laughs) The lake of Texoma is in like the south of Oklahoma. So just Interesting. Kind of, when it when those cookie back things, I for the longest time I thought they were like the same place. Yeah. And then I was told wrong. I was told differently. Mm-hmm. Again, her childhood back back to Sandra. Let's go back to Sandra. Her childhood appears to be very normal. Mm-hmm. She graduated from Texoma High School in 1966, then attended the Liberal School of Hairdressing. She graduated there in 1967. Mervyn and Sandra were married in Texoma on October 4th, 1967. Once wed, the couple returned to the naval base that Mervyn was stationed at in Maryland. In 1969, Mervyn was discharged from the Navy and the couple moved back to Texoma where Mervyn tried his hand at farming. Discharged was a... I believe it was honorable. I couldn't find anything saying that there was any reason. His Mm -hmm. four years were up. Maybe yeah. he just chose not to re-enlist. Yeah, okay. I, was I just would say this is kind like of medical or something, right? And I was, you know, kind of thinking, well, you know, the Vietnam War was going on during this time. Right. He probably <laughs> saw the writing on the wall there. Right. On October twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine, Mervyn and Sandra welcomed Penelope. Aww. They called her Penny Anne. Penelope Ann. That is the Aww, cutest name. That's cute. Then on January 25th, 1973, a little boy completed their family with Aww. the name of Robert Wayne. Cute. In January of 1974, the Thrasher family moved to Woodward, Oklahoma, following Mervyn's job with Michigan Wisconsin Pipeline Company. Ah, okay. They had, you know, moved to Texoma, and then I, I read in a source that they had moved to Goodwill. 
And then from there, they'd moved to Texoma, presumably mm-hmm. with his job with a pipeline, right. which makes sense. There's right. Woodward's known for its pipeline right. industry. Especially that area. Absolutely. Yes. The family was just your typical all-American, middle-class family. They were described as close, hardworking, and church-going. They were also described as being a real quiet-type family, which mm-hmm. in my mind, it, they just must not have had a lot of drama. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, if only, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> So it was said that with two small children, it wasn't unusual to find them at home most of the time. Mm -hmm. Sandra worked at Garment Company, and I don't know what type of a place that was. I'm going to have to ask some of my Woodward friends Mm -hmm. if they know or remember Mm -hmm. um, that area, especially my in-laws, because my in-laws were in Woodward at that time. My husband was actually born in Woodward in 1975, so this is like right during this time. Mm Missed opportunity. I should have interviewed them. <laughs> the family was renting an older rural style farmhouse right mm-hmm. outside of Woodward. Okay. Uh, but they were in, there weren't any close neighbors, but mm-hmm. they were in the process of actually purchasing a home in Woodward. Ah, so it was just like a temporary. Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably, one of those situations where you have to move to the town. Yeah. And you just kind of find what's available at the time. Right. And then you stay wait there. Wait for it to get Yeah. Open and or... wait for the perfect place to show right. up. So all in all, this sounds like your pretty normal family. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, tragedy, like it always does, strikes at those most ex- unexpected mm-hmm. times. Oh, no. So going back to the morning of Tuesday, September 3rd, 1974, investigators early on thought that this would be an extremely difficult case to solve. They had four bodies and some spent cartridges, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. Of course, let's remind ourselves, it's 1974. Right. We don't have the technologies that we have in mm-hmm. 2023. Right. So, you know, they're going to have to do some real gum shoeing. Mm-hmm. All victims were shot at least once in the head. And this, this is an obvious homicide. Mm-hmm. And I say that because many people at, up to this point may start to assume, oh, this was probably a murder-suicide, something of that mm-hmm. nature. We hear mm-hmm. it all the time in the yeah. news. Um, this was obvious homicide. Oh, man. Each gunshot wound was from the same 22 caliber gun. This is an important fact that I want you to remember. Because it was a homicide, automatically the bodies had to be sent to Oklahoma City for mm-hmm. an autopsy. Mm-hmm. These bodies hadn't been cleaned. And I know when you had mentioned mm-hmm. your last case right. about Mullendore, we had mentioned that it they cleaned, cleaned his body. Right. And all of his evidence was gone. Was gone. Thankfully, that mistake was not made here. They went, and of course, without cleaning the bodies, investigators didn't know how many times the each person had been shot. And when they discovered it, it was horrifying. Oh no! Initially, only seven shell casings were found, but it's going to end up being a lot more. I was going to say initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is where I'm going to put this trigger warning. This does involve some pretty gruesome child deaths or children deaths. I just want you to be aware. Skip ahead or at this part, you can just say deuces, cousins. I'm out. All right. So like I mentioned before, Bob Patty was the one who discovered Sandra when he looked through the home's window. Right. Sandra appeared to be lying on the floor in her robe. It said somewhere that she had like casual day clothes underneath her robe. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, It was like lounge pants. Right. And And that's maybe that's what I was thinking. Like it was like, you know, like some pajama pants and a T-shirt or something. 
which that makes more sense now that you mentioned something like that. But at first I was like, what the heck are casual day clothes? Like I'm thinking like shorts and a t-shirt and then put my robes on over it. No, thanks. You know, I don't yeah. want my robe well, I getting mean, all it's dirty. The 70s. Right. So, you know, and I also think of like the 60s. I think of like Doris Day with like the, you know, the matching set of. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's that probably. And, oh, for sure. But it's the 70s. So I don't, I mean, I, I'm just assuming maybe. They like probably still wear it and, then. Yeah. So anyways, uh, Mervyn was found wearing work clothes and then both children were found wearing pajamas. Police, after coming into the house Mm -hmm. and seeing what Bob had seen with Sandra, they found Mervyn tied up dead on the floor also. Mervyn's feet had been tied together and his hands were bound behind his back. Oh, no. He had been shot three times in the head. (gasps) Sandra had also been tied up but with her feet pulled up and tied to her hands. Uh, Does that mean what I think it means? In the beginning, detectives thought that perhaps Sandra had been raped. However, the autopsy did reveal that that was not to be true. So thankfully, there was no sexual assault on her. Oh, man. Yeah. But she had been shot twice in the head. Oh, my goodness. Neither body showed any signs or marks of torture or beatings, just gunshot wounds. Weird. So they find these two adults lying on the floor. This is when the bodies of both children were found in the same room as their dead parents. (gasps) No. And each child was dead in their bed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that makes me want to cry. This is is the hard part. Five-year-old Penny was believed to have been shot while sleeping and possibly never woke up. She was shot while presumably laying on her stomach. When they found her, she was laying on her stomach, kind Mm -hmm. of still like in that sleeping position. Yeah. 18-month-old Robert, it was believed, was sitting up in bed awake and was shot in the head. 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. Poor baby. The children had bunk beds. And so when they found Penny, she was in the upper bunk. She had been shot three times in the head. And um, Robert was in the lower bunk, who was shot twice in the head. And uh, they believe that the force of the gunshots and Robert had forced his body, like flung his body into the wall. Oh, my gosh. That's so bad. That's so awful. Yeah. I mean, brutal, brutal, brutal. poor babies. And how many times was he shot? Twice. Like, she was shot three. Three. He was... That just seems so unnecessary. Right. They wouldn't have lived through one. Especially if if she was asleep anyway. Massive overkill. Massive overkill. Oh, man. Again, all four had been shot with a twenty-two caliber firearm. The murder weapon has never been found. When the bodies were released to the families, the families took them back to Texoma for a funeral. The funeral was standing room only. There was roughly 350 people who showed up to pay their respects, with 20 being pallbearers. Wow. The bodies then traveled to Higgins, Texas, where they were interred. Oh, wow. So what happened? Why did this happen? How did this happen in a roughly small town? I mean, it's not that small, but it's a small town. Mm -hmm. It is pretty quiet. It's a pretty quiet town. Right. The last person to see Mervyn Thrasher alive was actually Bob Patty himself. Bob had called Mervyn around 4.30 a.m. the morning of Monday, September 2nd. He needed Mervyn's help fixing some piece of machinery Mm -hmm. that they had. Mm -hmm. So Mervyn went and helped Bob, and then they parted ways around 7, and Mm -hmm. Mervyn went home. Right. We know this because about 8, 
Bob calls Mervyn again, asking for help at work again. Mervyn said that he would be in in a couple of hours. However, he never showed up. Mm-hmm. This didn't really bother Bob very much because it was a Labor Day holiday and, mm-hmm. you know, people didn't have right. to work on that day. I mean, if my boss called me, I probably wouldn't have answered <laughs> right. at all. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so on Tuesday, September 3rd, Mervyn doesn't show up to work and Bob phones Mervyn, but the call goes unanswered. That evening, Bob decided to show up at Mervyn's to see what was going on. Now, he showed up at about 1030. And so I don't know if Bob had his own family. Like, what Uh time did Bob work to? And then did he have his own family to tend to? And then Uh he was like, hey, maybe I'll just go check on him real quick. Maybe it was just weighing on him. Yeah, right. Maybe it was weighing on his mind. Like, maybe it was unlike him. I don't know what Mervyn's work ethic was like. Right. Maybe he was the type who was pretty reliable and consistent. And this wasn't like him. And knowing that he had moved from, he had followed the job. You know, he'd been transferred to Woodward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they may have already had a previous relationship. Right. True. So uh, a spooky fact is that Bob didn't think too much about the phone conversation with Mervin on Monday. Mm-hmm. However, looking back and knowing the timelines, Bob has always wondered if Mervin had been trying to tell him something or trying mm. to convey that things were were not good at his house. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. Bob believes that the killer and the killers were probably holding a gun to Mervin at the time that he called that 8 a.m. <sighs> phone call. And based off of the autopsy, it mm-hmm. would make sense that mm-hmm. that would have happened. Mm-hmm. And we'll hear from the convicted murderer from his several of his statements. We'll hear mm-hmm. that there was a phone call that, that they did allow Mervyn to answer. So, oh, wow. Um, so for Bob to know that, that he talked, he was the last person to talk to Mervyn and to know that he was literally talking to this man while murderers were in his home. Oh, my it's gosh. Just, it's just the guilt that man Oh, must for feel. sure. I just can't imagine. I mean, like, I like, just have I can't even fathom. I'm pray trying, for him yeah. if he's still alive that he's able to massive PTSD. Exactly, exactly. So, like I said, you know, Bob wonder. I I wonder if to Bob looking back, this like that was atypical. He would have normally just come right in. That right. was very strange of him. So, or to say you're coming in and then not follow through. Exactly. Perhaps this was just a robbery that went wrong. We hear about that happening all the time in the news, that Mm -hmm. just things get out of hand and it happens. The wallet of Mervyn and the purse of Sandra did seem to have been emptied out. However, Sandra's diamond wedding ring was still on her finger. And there were several other valuables around the house that were all still there. Sounds like it was staged. Uh, Yeah. So at this point, detectives are like, there's no apparent motive. Like, it wasn't sexually motivated. It wasn't right. a robbery. You know, to our knowledge, there was no drug deals, that kind of, you know, well, if thing. If it's staged, I'm using air quotes, which, I mean, it sounds like it was. Did did they know the person? Right. Right. That's and my so question. It kind of comes back to here, this kooky fact. Okay. One week before the murders... The Thrasher home had been broken into. What? A twenty-two caliber rifle was wait, stolen. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't that what killed them? Yes. Along with other unspecified things. But the main thing that was reported when Mr. Thrasher reported the break-in was that twenty-two caliber rifle. They, so they were essentially shot with the own gun that they had. That, that they is owned. what is believed. Yes. Oh, my God. This is clearly too much for Woodward. 
police for Woodward County. So Mm -hmm. OSBI comes in and Oklahoma Highway Patrol, they get involved in this investigation. Mm -hmm. While combing the house for evidence, Sid Cookerly, he was an OSBI detective, or he was with OSBI, Mm -hmm. discovered footprints around the house. Now, there's lots of footprints. Mm -hmm. You know, there had been investigators in and out of the house. And Bob Patty himself had walked and looked in the window. Right. But these footprints led away from the home, so he decided to follow them, which, bro... That gave me chills, just because... Brave. Because you don't know what's at the end of that trail. Right. You don't know what's at the end of that trail. And what you just found in that house, what if there's more at the end of this trail? What if the killer is at the end of the trail uh, waiting for you? I was going to say, it sounds like a horror movie. Right. And so he follows him, and it led him straight to a gas station. And wouldn't you know it, a young man was working there wearing shoes that matched the tread of the footprints. What? Yeah. Sid Cookerly decided he was going to find out who this man was. Man. So who was it? 19-year-old Bobby Wayne Collins. 19. Yep. 19. Oh, my gosh. Bobby Wayne Collins is a native of Ardmore, Oklahoma. I'm not. I'm assuming he was born there or there around Ardmore. He did live out most of his life there. He was born October 14th, 1954. There isn't really much found on his life other than his criminal history. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll kind of get into that for a little bit, but um, we can only, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to assume anything about his childhood or the way he was grown up because Mm -hmm. it seems like pretty early on in his life, Mm -hmm. he was getting into trouble. Mm -hmm. So he had lived in Woodward for roughly a year before the murders of the Thrasher family. And before that, Bobby had actually spent time at the Big Mac. And for those of you who don't know, the Big Mac is what we lovingly call the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in McAllister. Yes. In September of 1971, Bobby was convicted of attempted rape and was sentenced to three years. However, like the legal system does, Mm -hmm. Bobby was released on December 22nd, 1971. What? Now let's do a little math here. Okay. I'm bad at it, but let's do it. Let's do it. He was convicted September of 1971, mm-hmm. was released December of 1971, mm-hmm. October, November, December. Three months. Jeez. He was there for three months. Now, he was 19 in 1974. No. This crime happened in 1971. 74 minus 71 16. is... 16. He was 16. Three. Yeah. 16. Holy cow. So you mean to tell me that he was 16 when he was happening? A 16-year-old was sent to the Big Mac. I didn't know that was possible, but I guess it is. Wow. That's crazy. Also, in 1974, these murders happened in 1974. Uh Bobby was acquitted of rape of a woman from Lone Grove. He's got something. Something. He was acquitted of that crime. Mm -hmm. But there's something there. A repeat offender is what it sounds like. Yes. It sounds like he might have a violent streak. Maybe, maybe he's a little violent. I don't know. I don't know. Because that's where I'm going to leave you. What? (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. I didn't think it was going to come with a cliffhanger. I mean, I know you said it was going to be two parts, but. Well, I think because the trial deserves its whole episode and there wasn't a really good place for me to cut off. Sure. This is payback from the last time. Maybe. I don't know. I will. I'll leave you with this. Okay. A little nugget. Yes. Sid Cockerly 
with OSBI. Mm-hmm. He goes and he kind of befriends Bobby. Mm. He goes up and starts talking to him. Uh-huh. You know, tries to oh like get in with the yeah criminal. Get Bobby to start trusting yeah him. Maybe he's like, oh, maybe you could help me with this investigation I'm in. Mm-hmm. And um, just to see what he has to say. Right. Like many, many convicted felons, uh-huh. Bobby's got some stories to tell. Oh, man. Oh, some man. stories. 19. 19. Well, thanks for that. You're welcome. It's going to be a rough night. <laughs> Holy wow. Yeah. I don't even know what to think. That's just so messed up. Tune in next week. And you'll have lots of opinions, I think. Oh, well, you know me. Anything else? I don't think so. Tiff, you want to tell the people where they can find us next week when we have to get the end of this? (laughs) Yes. All right, my dear friends, cousins. Please, please go rate and review us. Please. On Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to us. We we need it. We need to know that you want it. <laughs> yeah, we want to know if you want us to keep going and keep doing this. Because we like doing it. We just hope you guys like doing it too. Absolutely. Or listening to it. So go out, find us on Apple, on Spotify, on Stitcher. Sounds like I'm like Santa. <laughs> on Dasher, on Dancer. On Apple, on Spotify. <laughs> on Amazon and iHeartRadio. Uh... I can't think of it. On Google. I, was, I did find us on Good Pods the other day, so that's kind of fun. If you're a Good oh. Pods listener, go listen to us there. I've never even heard of Good yeah, Pods. Yeah, Good Pods. Cool. Yeah, go find us there. Also, if you have any suggestions, comments, concerns, you yes. just want to say hey, yes. please email at us at curiouscousinsok at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can also find us on our socials at curiouscousinsok on Instagram, as well as curiouscousinsokpodcast on facebook yes please reach out please reach out like follow us interact with us give us suggestions yeah interact (laughs) with us jess and i run the socials together so we kind of we we can uh answer you back we answer you in person back yes please yes yes other than that jess you know what to do tell them what to keep it keep it cookie and spooky Bye. bye